All right, guys, before we get started, I want to talk really quick about our sponsor, and that's Patch Chunky Shop. Uh, Patch Chunky Shop is an Etsy shop that specializes in uniquely designed patches. Their stock includes everything from military style morale patches to designs that reference popular culture. They also sell patch related stuff like patch mats and patch bags that you can stick your patches to. So if you get a chance, go to their website. It's www.patchjunkyshop.com and use the promo code Salumis for 10% off of your order. Once again, that's S-A-L-U-M-I-S-T and instantly get 10% off. Um, I want to also talk about Skype. That is who we've been using as of late to do these podcast episodes uh, because we want to exercise caution and really pay respect to the social distancing and the different types of uh, rules and regulations that are going out there right now. Uh, we chose to use Skype to hold a lot of our episodes so Skype isn't the only platform out there that will allow you to do this kind of stuff. So if you have anything like Google Hangouts, if you have Zoom, uh, tons of other platforms out there that will allow you to connect with other people and really get whatever message that you have out there. Or if you just want to connect with any of your friends and loved ones, there's tons of platforms out there. But if you want a good example of one, Skype is what we've been using, and I highly recommend that. All right, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Salumas Podcast. This past week and a half have been pretty big for me. I've really been putting a lot of focus in the amount of energy and time that I pay towards loved ones and myself, but I've also been set on a new path professionally. They say that when one door closes, another opens, and that's true, but I don't really feel like too many people talk about the feelings you go through during the closing and opening processes. That's really where this episode starts. So I recently accepted a new job offer and while it's incredibly exciting and I'm so full of gratitude and just pumped for this opportunity, I'm also full of anxiety and a little bit of sadness, even a little bit of depression at the thought of leaving something behind that has done so much for my professional growth over the past four years. I'm really glad about having the circle of friends that I do and all the people that have really come through for me. And so in this episode, it's just me and Chris, and we talk about the change and he helps me make my way through it. And it's not often when the subject of an episode is me. So sit back and relax while I put myself in the grinder in episode 898, Change. call back or you're just running into the store i'm just gonna run in the store it shouldn't take me but a second okay you know it's actually pretty funny you know i'm like totally recording right now but are you yeah, yeah. hell yeah man that's just how we that's how we do it man it's uh i want to make sure that this is as convenient as possible given the situation you know what i mean yeah man because ain't nothing convenient about none of this other shit yeah there, there really isn't um what are you grabbing at the store anyway? Um, some uh, uh, cancer stick. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I wanted to sort of talk about what all I'm kind of going through, and you know, the the really funny part about all this stuff is that you know you think that you're the only person in the world who feels weird about something or you might think that it's only happening to you. And then you just kind of do a Google search and you see there's tons and tons and tons of articles written about it. And um, 
So I wanted to kind of go over or essentially put myself through the grinder for this episode and see if we can come up with some good stuff, you know? Well, I'm with this shit. So lately, um, obviously it's been, it's been really crazy with how people have been able to work or, or not work and um, to find a, to be able to find work or a new job or anything like that in this time is kind of tough for a lot of people. And uh, I guess I'm one of the lucky ones that was able to find a new job. And so I think what I want to talk about is, yeah, I got offered a new job and everything, but I'm having this like weird rush of feelings about it. And um, I mean, I've kind of been all over the place, you know, and uh, I just want to be able to put all that through the through the grinder and get your feel for what you think that might be, or if you've ever experienced anything like that before. Well, just one second. Let me uh, cash out real quick and I'll. Yeah, man. So I'll just go ahead and talk about what I'm sort of feeling. It's like, I think, well, the whole process was really interesting just because I, I couldn't see any of the people face to face. It was, everything was kind of done over, uh, over the phone and, over zoom meetings and stuff like that. So it was really crazy seeing how easy, but different it was. It's just not your conventional type of process, but given the situation, it was really cool just seeing, um, seeing how it all went. And I didn't, I think one of the things that I realize is when I'm sitting in a chair, like interviewing, I guess, I feel way more nervous than when I'm sitting in front of people and talking to them. And, uh, so the, the process that I went through was like, it was like three and a half hours long. And there was like a little 15 minute break in between sessions that I had. And, uh, I remember looking down at my shirt and it was just drenched in sweat. And I was like, Oh man, I hope that these guys don't see any of that. But, I, I didn't realize how different it was for me uh, interviewing like that. I, I'm just definitely more comfortable when I'm around people. Um, but after everything went through, after I, you know, they gave me the um, offer letter and all that kind of stuff. I was, I was excited. I was overcome with gratitude, dude. It was crazy. And then all of a sudden this huge rush comes through. And it kind of bordered on like depression or sadness or something. Is that weird? No, it's not. Um, so did did the the feeling of potential depression or sadness come on the heels of what was excitement or potentially like euphoria, or was it or was it an independent entity that didn't have any kind of interrelatedness? I don't know. I feel like maybe it did. It was related. Like, I don't, I like where I, I like who I work for, you know, uh, I, at least the, the, the section of the company. I like my boss. She's awesome. And the team that I'm on, they're, they're great people. It was just weird. It felt like, like, Oh shit, I'm going to be breaking up or divorcing all these people. You know what I mean? And, oh, it, yeah. and it's not one of those, like, it's not, a, Oh, they hate me. This is a good move. You know? It was a, oh, this is 
for the for the betterment of my career yeah i'm i'm good here but i know that i can be better and it's just going to suck leaving all of them you know and i know well, that i've said it a million times that like every work organization is like a machine and and we're all just cogs in it or something but this just felt different well i don't i don't think it's a natural thing for us as organisms to uh for lack of a better ter- term jump tribes yeah i think that it's built into our dna to have this this ingrained interdependency um and and I, again lack of a better term kind of a tribalistic mentality especially if you invest yourself mm-hmm. in your vocation in a meaningful way i mean fuck like when i worked for uh, child protective services i was not sad about leaving a job that traumatized me admittedly mm-hmm. but i was sad about leaving that tribe of individuals that I had basically in, in a manner of speaking, been deployed with. Mm. And I know it's, it's a different, it's a different thing. I mean, it, you know, the, the trauma and all of that kind of shit, I'm sure it hits different than, you know, with another vocation, but I think it still holds true that you've got, you develop these interpersonal relationships these loyalties. Um, hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump out of the truck and go chill yeah. out under the carport real quick because it's loud as fuck in here. You think your carport's not gonna be loud? Is it like a tin roof type of thing? No. Oh, okay. Where do you think I live at? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's nice and quiet. Do you hear all the rain? No. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's real quiet out here. Oh, well, I do hear a little bit. Anyway, keep going. But um, I think we oftentimes lose the human element, the, the fact that we are biological entities and those biological things that bind us together, that keep us at homeostasis or thrown at off kilter by these moves mm-hmm. and and we oftentimes bypass that and look for greater meaning beyond that like we try to make sense of it and rationalize it in some kind of grandiose terms when in reality it's um it's loss it's mm-hmm. it's the feeling of loss that is pretty much unnatural again jumping from one tribe to another is not something that our ancestors did and biologically we are not i won't even say we're not that far removed we are the same organisms that our ancestors were fucking 200 years ago Mm -hmm. what you're doing is not something that happened yeah people were born into a locality and basically knew everyone within their their community and served their purpose within their community and lived and died that, yeah. and that that was the norm. And if you go back, 50, hell, that's 000, not even that's not even two hundred years, dude. This is like twenty five years ago, man. Like, there's, oh yeah, it's very common for people to just be in one job once they're out of school, 
high school, college or neither. And they're like, I've been here for 35 years and, and they'll die there. And it's just part of their it's just it's like their arm. You know, it's so well, weird yeah. to see that. Well, and and then you augment that predisposition with a society that we define ourselves in many t- in many ways by our vocation. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to make it even more profound. Yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely true. And, and I think I mean, because of that, that's what's sort of causing some of the if you want to call it some guilt, um, you know, and I was just reading a little thing and um and I mean, I say this with all the sincerity in the world that it feels just like leaving people behind. Um, and, and I kind of, in a weird way, feel kind of selfish. Um, but I know, I know deep down that it's the right thing to be doing. And even when I told my boss, she was like, I, I knew that this would, I knew that this would come. You know, it was, it was kind of a matter of time. I didn't feel like I gave off those vibes, but I think that when you're in certain positions, you can just sort of tell like how people are and how they work with each team, but um, or just how they work within your team, how you can tell like, OK, maybe this person is meant to to do more than what they're doing right now. Um, and I do think that in a little bit like a little part of me, I did feel sort of caged. And, um, but there's still going to be that, that guilt. And I'm, I'm trying to be cautious about using the word caged because I don't want to sound like it's like, um, was it like Stockholm syndrome? Like your captors, like you start to feel like sympathize with identify. Yeah. You identify with them. And and I don't want it to come off like that, but I did feel a little bit caged. And so I knew that there was something bigger out there, but I can't escape the, the guilt. You know, and you'd get the, and then you get the text messages from people like, oh, come on, dude, what the hell? You know, I know they're kidding, but still, I'm just like, well, they, they, they're, they are kidding. Um, uh, but you know, there, there is humor. Generally humor has a modicum of truth behind it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, really like that shit doesn't occur in a vacuum. If, if there wasn't a modicum of truth, if there wasn't some kind of, um, perceived loss on their part as well mm-hmm. i mean it, it's reciprocal then um i think and oftentimes we deal with distress especially i, I don't want to call it minor distress but distress like that we deal with it through humor i think that humor is one of the number one vectors for coping with uh, trauma stress loss whatever it may be yeah i think when when what it was all going on too it it all made it and still kind of makes it hard for me to be like excited all the time. Like I I go through bouts where I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm so pumped, you know, cause this job starts on the 27th, like my first days at 27. And like, I go through these bouts where I'm like so incredibly pumped and like ready for this new start. And then another part where I'm just like scared or something, you know, it's not, not scared. Scared's not the word. Um, just uncomfortable. Maybe that's what it is. And I've always said that I want to be, I don't want to get too complacent and too comfortable. And I can tell that I was doing that a little bit. Um, so I, I'm just trying to blend all those different 
you know, emotions that's that I'm kind of going through. And and I feel that other people, whether it's a, a job change or any kind of change in life, I would imagine that people go through different phases of that change. You know, you're you have that guilt and depression or sadness or the fear and anxiety. And then it kind of over time maybe turns into other more positive feelings. What do you think about that? Um, yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, we, again, we, we try to look at things in terms of like, like right and wrong. Like I'm doing the right thing. um, We have to understand that these are, even though the ultimate end result may be fundamentally different if you take this path versus that path, but along the way, either path that you take, you create meaning along the way. You mm-hmm. create your own meaning. You find your own value, self-worth, sense of duty. Um, all of that is stuff that you create yourself. And mm-hmm. it, it's it's an internal thing. It becomes a part of you as a human being. So whenever that stuff is severed and you make that transition over into something else that you feel like is the right move for you, it's going to facilitate more freedom, um, whether that be um, – and, and I, I – I have a hard time drawing a distinction between time and money, um, you know, because essentially time is the commodity that we convert into all other commodities. But um, it's you're severing something you're losing. It's it's psychologically a piece of you. You are having to let go a, a part of your brain that you have fundamentally dedicated to whatever it may be. Whatever the fuck it may be, you now have to um, do some pruning, um, I guess, yeah. in order to cope with it. And and then even with the pruning, in order to successfully cope and then move on and not feel this ongoing sense of distress, you still are going to retain elements of sentimentalism. It's the same as like a relationship. Say you have a interpersonal relationship with another human being and it doesn't even end on bad terms. You both, you part ways on good terms and it just, it, it didn't work out. The relationship completed itself, but we've, we've spoken at length about the fact that we have a tendency to um, gloss over the negative elements of it mm-hmm. and, and retain the positive elements. And that's just self-preservation. That's just the way that the, that, our physiology, our, our psychology, that's the way it, it functions. So the feelings that you're encountering right now are 100% just a normal part of the process. Yeah. We are just, we're as organisms, we're just in an uncharted territory and being thrust into this new environment, like a complete rearrangement of how you conduct business, what your daily goals entail, the people that are around you that are working in conjunction to accomplish those goals, those shifting, man, that's, that's starting from scratch in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and, and I will say like, um, and, and I can only speak for myself and then those that I encounter, but overwhelmingly in my experience and things I've seen, um, in order to function in a vocation, in a profession, you have to develop some sense of duty Mm -hmm. and what that sense of duty might entail 
something different from for each person. Like my sense of duty may be um, linked to pathos. You know, I have an emotional investment, like a legit emotional investment in um, not only the population that I serve, but the team that relies on me to pull my weight and be part of that machine that gets things done, that's able to step in and, uh, and, and facilitate. If, if there's a breakdown here, another member will step in and do this. And then you think about like, goddamn, this person has been over backwards for me whenever I wasn't able to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been reciprocated. And I'm sure you, you've been in situations where you've had people that have um, extended themselves in order to facilitate you. Oh yeah. And you've done the same for other people. I, I mean, I know you will. That's, that's, that's who the fuck Kalu is. Yeah. Kalu is all about facilitating other individuals. So that's another thing that you're leaving behind. Mm-hmm. You, you are, are leaving behind in the physical sense. Um, and in many ways, the ongoing psychological elements, you, you are leaving behind that investment that you have made. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't mean totally what it is. Dude, and it doesn't mean that that investment doesn't carry on, but those individuals are going to, um, the world goes on without you. And that's, that's, that's a weird thing. Also, if, if we scale it up to mortality, if we even think about like permanency, our, our fleeting presence on this planet the idea that things go on without us is a scary fucking thing in and of itself. So it's like somewhat, and I might be just getting overly philosophical, but to me it's to a, to a degree, there's this little selfish component. That's like, like, fuck, I was such a pivotal element of this team and this way of accomplishing things the idea that that can still continue without you isn't exactly a pleasant thing on one level. You can have a mixture of, of, uh, selfish, like loss, like, well, you know, I, it sucks to think that I, I wasn't without me, the machine continues to run it to be completely brutally fucking honest about shit. We like to think, well, hell, I don't see how these motherfuckers would be able to do this without me. We like yeah. to think that as human beings. You know what's funny about that thought? Um, I, even though there were times where my coworkers would say would say stuff like that, um, I never believed them, dude. I really didn't. Like, I know that I. I specialized in stuff and in, in, in this work, but they, everyone could learn it if they want to. I I'm 100% convinced that if you want it bad enough, you can learn something. And so, and my, it's, it's just like what I would say. Uh, I've said it in multiple episodes, you know, one of the lessons that my, my first boss at my first it boss taught me, was that if you live your life and work like a script, someone like me is going to write one to replace you. Like I wholeheartedly believe that anyone can be replaced. And it's because of that is why I, I try, I feel like I try so hard to, to share knowledge and stuff like that 
because someone might be able to do it better than I can. Uh, and I like to think that I try to buy into the, the company or the group's idea as a whole to say like, all right, we have this vision, we have this plan or whatever. How are we going to get ourselves in the position to be able to see that to fruition? And I don't think that you can get there by having this mindset of, you know, I'm, I'm so valuable to the company or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And honestly, and I think that that coincides with our, our concept of, we, we have to make the acknowledgement that we are simultaneously everything and nothing. Mm-hmm. And there is something very liberating. Um, if you can latch on to it, there's something liberating about knowing that you are expendable, yeah. that you, that you can be replaced because um, it, it really frees you up. Like if you think that you are absolutely 100% essential to the functionality of a certain program mm-hmm. or, um, or organization, you are bound to the framework of that program, organization, whatever it may be. You view the world through that fucking lens. It becomes who you are. And the longer and longer you feel that way, the more deeply ingrained that shit becomes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so understanding, taking, like like the job that I do now, I 100% know that I could go on and my team could step up and handle business and fill in the gaps. Yeah, It's going to suck. They're going to have a hard time and it's never going to be the same because I've taken my position and I've made it my own. Nobody is going to do my job exactly the way I do my job, but the larger unit the larger team adapts, yep. it fills in the gaps and it gets back to this homeostatic rocking and rolling kind of situation. And to me, when I look at my coworkers, when I look at my team, there's something beautiful about that. And I was at an impasse. I mean, at the beginning of this year, I, I was looking in a couple of different directions, mm-hmm. um, potentially going and working a federal position, potentially sure. going private sector, but still, you know, staying in public service. But man, it caused me enormous distress. Even the idea of leaving a team that functions so well together and had yeah. such a, a beautiful ultimate impact on the community. And, but if at the end of the day and, and, and I walk around with the pride and this, this arrogant, lightweight, arrogant, self-importance of shit. I don't know how these motherfuckers would do this shit without me. But Mm -hmm. on the other side of that, like on the other side, when I strip myself of that bullshit, because that's what it is. It's it's bullshit. It's Mm -hmm. stuff we tell ourselves. And, and again, there is truth to it that within that context, you are essential, but removed from that context, the larger organism, the whatever, what, however you want to encapsulate it, it continues on. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that your role was any less valuable or unique in the way that you conducted it, but goddamn, like it, there, there's those two sides, man. It's not one or the other. There's selfish mm-hmm. components to it. And then, and you acknowledge the selfish components and you cling on to those and you use those as, as fuel. Keeps you going, dude. It fucking keeps you going. It it makes you feel 
self-worth yeah. within, within your profession. And I, I think that it, it does serve that purpose, but also if you can, at the same time, if you can have that, but mitigate it with mm-hmm. the notion of, Hey, these people that I'm surrounding myself with are capable and and for me, even being involved, it, at least one takeaway that might be both positive and kind of a selfish thing is I have hopefully made my coworkers better just by being here. I have empowered them and facilitated them to carry on and do better. So whenever somebody else gets hired into my position, mm-hmm. they don't they're they're not going to off the jump be like, OK. I absolutely need you to be like Chris is something like that because they're not going to find another me. They're just going to, they're going to conduct it a little fucking differently. You know, and that's the, that's one of the things that I'm really trying not to do. I think in one thing that's very, um, that's just very me is that I try to mitigate as much potential damage as possible. Now, I recognize that while I do specialize in the stuff that I do, it didn't feel like many people wanted to try and learn what I was doing. And so because that that went on throughout the the whole time, it's like, okay, now we're in this position where I'm leaving and I am finding myself thinking things like, okay, should I like help out a little bit part time to until they find someone like I'm, oh, I'm yeah. sitting there having shit like that and go through my head when it's like and if I if I do that, that's taking away from my new opportunity, you know, and so like I'm really trying to to say or tell myself like, hey, it is after the 24th, it is done. It's over. You need to let that go that it close the book or whatever you want to call it and be in the present. I think that's one of the, the, the things I need to make sure that I do um, and really try to, and I'm, I'm doing this right now, even after making that uh, announcement to my boss, I've really been honing in on the amount of uh, just self care. You know, I'm going and being out on the, I've literally trail ridden like nearly every day. Um, I've just been trying to, take care of myself and just keep my head clear and all that kind of stuff. So I don't fall into those bad thoughts, but it's like whenever I come back into work during this, you know, my two and a half week period where I'm just kind of, you know, waiting it out. Um, it's really, it's been really hard to concentrate and and just to follow through with things just because I see something that's happening. And while I can't control the future right now, I just, I feel like I've, trying to, and that's causing me all kinds of problems. You know what I mean? Well, and, and the thing you said about, um, entertaining the notion of staying on in some kind of supplemental capacity Mm -hmm. that very much underscores the idea of, of self-importance and selfless selflessness residing in the same space because Mm -hmm those two things are both happening simultaneously with that thought. It's man, I'm, I am such an asset that, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to my own detriment, potentially Mm -hmm. I'm going to expend my energy here. I'm going to keep one foot here while I still proceed to do that. So you have elements of, 
I'm a bad motherfucker and I don't know what you people are going to do without me. And 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 that thought makes me sick. Yeah. And I, and then that, and that thought also works alongside of, I'm going to do this to my detriment. Yeah. It's a weird kind of amalgam of shit. It's, it's I, I am I am so necessary. I am I am such a bad motherfucker in this context that I am willing to hamstring myself to to help keep you guys afloat. Yeah. And it's and, almost but, like a weird level of codependency, not codependency. Maybe it is something like that. Do you see like it's almost like I'm hamstringing myself? Well, like by by hamstringing myself, it's almost like I'm creating this need like you can't go on without me kind of thing do you oh, see yeah. what i'm saying well does, I that, think does we, that make it is that is that codependency it, sort of yeah well it, it, to to a, to a degree well co- codependency would would entail a reciprocal element mm-hmm. to it and really we're we're just kind of speaking on the individual psychology I feel like right now. Well, it, not re- it, like when I look up the, de- it says it's a behavior conditioner in a relationship where one person enables another's another person's addiction, poor mental health, immaturity, irresponsibility, or underachievement. And it says, um, among the core characteristics of characteristics of codependency is an excessive reliance on other people for approval and a sense of identity. And I, what if, yes, I noticed that there were things that they, the other like my current group might not have been uh, they were inefficient with and stuff like that. Like I'm enabling that by being there and, and being that thing that they can fall on. Do you see what I mean? Whereas if I leave, it's like, okay, now you force yourself to, to depend on yourself, to get better, to, to work on those skills and all that kind of stuff. So it, it, so it kind of goes back to the thing that you, you say about, um, when you're ready to, um, what is it? When you're ready to learn life's lessons. Yeah. Life's teachers will appear. And when you're ready to experience those lessons, life te- life's teachers will disappear. So that speaking from in those terms, the people that you otherwise feel like that it's necessary to enable, I guess, and I'm using my air quotes at this point in time, it becomes facilitation. It, that, that is where the life lessons that you are the teacher that's disappearing. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. And, and again, um, and I'm sure I've mentioned him on previous podcasts, but, uh, somebody that I I find very fascinating is Francis Mullman. Mm -hmm. And he's, um, he lives in Patagonia. He's, um, an Argentinian chef. I mean, he owns all these dope ass restaurants around the world and has a hand in a lot of different stuff. But uh, he has this policy, especially in some of his upper echelon restaurants, where he will part ways with one of his sous chefs whenever their relationship is at its peak, whenever that sous chef has reached essentially the pinnacle where Francis is like, man, you're rocking and rolling, you're really kicking ass that's when he will part ways with that individual. Mm. And he, he not only applies that to his business life, like, and I don't, I think he blurs the lines between his business life and his, uh, and his uh, social interpersonal life as well. But he, uh, I've got a little distracting person in the room with me right now, but, uh, 
Francis Mullman will also do that in his interpersonal relationships as well. He has a child with a woman that's like 30 years his junior and they don't mm-hmm. live together. And what? it's not because they don't get along. Yeah. Yeah. It's not because they don't get along. It's because they, uh, they, he really genuinely espouses this notion of parting ways with other human beings whenever they've reached the pinnacle of like, of absolute success within their, that social dynamic. Yeah. And and, and I seem unfair though, because it's like you, you, who are we to, to believe that someone has reached like critical mass, if you will, or the pinnacle or the top of their relation with you? Well, I think that that's, that's a highly subjective thing. And I think it, it requires, again, it's, I think it requires, um, a certain level of, uh, I guess, uh, I'm trying to put my finger on who Francis Mullman is as a human being, but, um, I guess self assuredness, direction, mm-hmm. um, competency within oneself, self actualization, maybe even, and and I honestly, uh, I, I think that that is highly subjective. I don't think that uh, I don't think that there is any one specific answer to that. I think it's just. Hmm. I, I I just had somebody come in here and try to distract the hell out of me. Tell me go away. I, I, she's gone. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, like with with Francis Mullman, that that notion that's an extreme thing. It's a, it's a very extreme thing, yeah. and I don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah. But it's fascinating to look at that. Okay, when 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 our social dynamic has reached its peak, where where man, you you can operate entirely independent of me. Um, my presence no longer serves a purpose. I have poured every bit of myself into you that I possibly can. Yeah. And now you take that, you take that, that I've poured into you and you run with it and I'm going to part ways with you. And I think that there is some, I guess there, there is some, nobility in the notion of stepping away at that point, because that yeah. very much negates the idea of codependent codependency in a relationship all fucking together. Yeah. Yeah. You so know, I, one, go ahead. So it's, it's like, uh, I, I, the old Kung, Kung Fu kind of movies, like old school martial arts movies and shit where it'll have like the master, the oh, yeah, student co- co- the, yeah. And yeah. And, and there becomes a certain point where the master don't fuck with the student no more. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, he fights the student. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that, that excites me about this, this new job is that whenever I, I ask the different people in there, um, how they sort of felt, because this is technology, it's not very common for people to stay long in, in true tech jobs. Everyone kind of follows the tech, you know, and one of the recurring themes or recurring statements was if you told me I would have been in this job for 
three, you know, more than three years, I would have laughed at you. You know, everyone said that kind of stuff, but they'd all been there for a long time. And they, it, it was cool because they all explained that like the, this new company like keeps you hungry, man. Like there's just new things to learn, new opportunities out there to better yourself. And I think that's something, I think that alone right there would put me in a position to not ever feel like, oh, they'll be screwed without me. You, you see what I mean? Or to yeah. have any sort of notion like that, because there's always going to be people that are hungry, that are learning something completely new. Um, I'm, I'm going to be surrounded by people who it seems like they push each other and they push themselves, which is the most important thing. And being in that type of energy, I think is going to be very, very positive for me. Not to say that they don't do it at my current thing. I think that there is people push themselves in sales oriented jobs just to make more money. Um, but when, when that, when money is not on the table, what, what pushes you, you know? And I think that is the bigger, most important thing for me. And I'm glad to sort of be going back to something like that. Does that make sense? It does. And, and I will say that I have a lot to, um, compared to a lot of other jobs, it's easy as a public servant, a community mental health worker, um, somebody that's been in the field for a substantial amount of time that has a vested interest in the success of not only our population, but the community at large, it's really easy for us to fall into this uh, dismissive semi arrogance of mm-hmm. looking at other vocations and, and not really seeing the merit and end goal that's associated with it because ours is so much more tangible Sure. We see it. We fucking see it. We live it. We, um, we feel it. And, and honestly, like, like I go about my day, like every Monday where I walk in, I can honestly say that since I've been doing this type of work Mm -hmm. with the exception of, uh, CPS work, which, kind of was a seven day a week type thing. I mean, if, if somebody that was on call needed your, your help on a Friday night at 1130 PM at the med center, your ass got up and went and met your coworker there to, you know, conduct interviews, investigate, whatever. Yeah. Um, there was some, some dread about going into work, but it wasn't the, the going into work so much. It's just this constant, draining hum of negativity because you you don't really ever find the pony in the pile because Mm -hmm. you're just overworked you don't have the resources you need and you are encountering some of the worst things that you possibly can and in 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 mass too Mm -hmm. tons of volume so with the exception of that i can say with my current job i have never once dreaded going into work. I've never thought I'm just sitting here stagnating. I'm not, but I tell myself, and I don't know if this is society's values. I don't know if this is American society's values. I don't know what it is, but I always tell myself, I'm like, I'm capable of more, but I don't know what that means other than having more authority and making more money because 
I, I don't know what is more meaningful in this fucking world than, than easing the suffering of another human being or, or facilitating a basic quality of life for somebody who has never even been given a chance by anybody else. And that's not self aggrandizing. This is, I, I operate with a, a team of some of the most capable, compassionate, insightful individuals that I've ever had the pleasure of being around. And they are, for the most part, if you look at the team at large, I'm just a small piece of that. I am privileged to get to be a part of that. So, man, it, it tugs at my heartstrings. When I see I provide somebody with a roof over their head, a television set, and a set of rabbit ears so that they can pick up the basic 9, 10, 12, whatever channels, and and you can see how much that fucking means to them. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, it's not gratitude. That's not what we're seeking. It's the idea, I'm like, the profundity that's associated with God damn, I go home and I've got half a dozen streaming services that I'm just like, fuck, there's nothing on. There's nothing on any of these guys that Crunchyroll, Hulu, whatever. Crunchyroll. I can't watch my anime. Well, fuck yeah, I I got Crunchyroll, bitch. You know how I roll. (laughs) I know. I love it. Crunchy. But honest to God, like, I I, I feel I'm, I'm fulfilled. I am fulfilled, but then I look at my personal life and my personal life and my professional life are, there's not a disconnect between those two things because I live my personal life with that same ferocious burning advocacy and anger. In many cases, it is anger towards the the, the social disparity that we see in this world. Yeah. And so I try to tread as, as lightly as I can. I try to live as simply as I can. And, and honestly it works. I don't, and I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it's a chicken or egg type thing, but um, if, if I were to just try to remove my professional life and then just focus on my personal life, where do I find fulfillment? Mm-hmm. And I, and I find fulfillment in, in personal utility. So that's all that's left. Like my existence has been, I don't want to say reduced because to me it's beautiful and it's simple is helping others, mm-hmm. making society better one fucking piece at a time, at least helping playing mm-hmm. a role in it. Cause I, I, again, I'm just a small fucking piece, but um, having the privilege to, to play a role in helping so many other people and knowing that I've caught things that other people have missed. Yeah. And then, then go, and then going home and, and, and sleeping well at night, knowing that I've done that, but then my own, I get to be an animal. Yeah. I get to, I get to be my, my professional, uh, psychosocial, whatever social socially constructed version of myself in my professional life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not really super nat- It's not a natural fucking thing for me. I'm, I think I'm more genetically predisposed and, and socialized into 
living in a fucking shack in the woods and growing goddamn turnips and hunting wild <laughs> game and foraging mushrooms and shit like that. You know what but, you were saying about about what this job sort of does for you. This is and truthfully, dude, truthfully, this is something where I, I feel this, that this is going to make a big difference, like not just on a local scale, but on a national scale. Uh, the, the type of work that I'll be doing, it's it's going to be geared towards the betterment of uh, folks in like K-12. And it's going to be leveraging technology to essentially help administrators and teachers see the see the story through data that's being told. And uh, it's going to be by the usage of their these various applications and different tools that, that kids are using now to learn because students these days are getting more and more wired, if you will. They're just they're using technology for everything. You know, you and I talk about, you know, our our dumbass people, you know. And how dumbass people has been replaced by a phone with, you know, the ability to search for stuff. But with those with kids knowing how to use tech at such an early age for some groups, that is that tech tells a story and, and that story comes from the data. And so when if we can use that data to help tell a story, then we can provide solutions that help kids learn better and more effectively and Finally, I feel like there's something that I'm going to be doing that's going to make a big, big, big change like nationwide, dude. And uh, that's the stuff that. And yes, there's certainly more money in this in this position and stuff like that. But you already know that if I if I get you know, if I get money, obviously I'm going to be like smart with it, but I'm still going to take care of people. And this is going to be the thing that allows me to take care of people even more. I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, my gosh, man, this is I've, I've wanted to like redo my parents kitchen or, you know, be able to just take care of certain things. And just, you know, as I sit there and think about like just my relationship and all sorts of other stuff, you know, you and I have said that for when we talk about the poor, disadvantaged people. Right. It's hard to want to think about doing good for your community when you're thinking about getting your next meal. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. hard to, it's hard to sleep or it's hard to be a dreamer when you don't have a place to sleep. And, um, I think for me, it's hard. It's hard to really focus on the things that I really need to improve upon, like in my relationship and just life in general where I'm thinking about like, not that I live like check to check. I, I'm always just scared, if you will, of some of something happening and not having the ability to pay for. It. And that's that just comes from being poor, you know, from growing up poor. But this what I'm doing right now or what I will be doing, like that thought just goes away, dude. Like that fear just absolutely goes away. And now well, I can just fully like 100% myself go into things and just do it with joy and no fear. If does that, does that make sense to you what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's making me want you to put me on because, yeah. uh, do y'all, y'all need a, any, uh, a policy analyst or statistician or anything I'm like gonna, that? I'm going to find out, dude. I'm dead serious though. man. Bro, get at, look, cause that, Honestly, that would be the only thing. Yeah. It for for me to feel comfortable mm -hmm. leaving 
my population. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, again, I don't know. It's not, a, I can't look myself in the mirror and be like, I am a noble human being. Yeah. I know I'm not, I'm not you complete. Not <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not, a, but I'm not also not total trash, you yeah. know? Um, I've got my flaws just like everybody else, but I try to redirect a lot of my douchebag energy towards fighting other douchebags and, and, and being the antithesis of that. The only thing that would, I I feel like give me greater fulfillment is broadening, broadening the scope of influence that I have regarding positivity and, and facilitating as many people as I can streamlining society. And, and you and I have to make the acknowledgement that we're not all going to make it. God damn. Like as much as I'm down for giving everybody the same shot, that's what I want. That's my Mm -hmm. goal. That's, that's what I feel like in a civilization. That's the basis of a civilization to me Mm -hmm. is Getting out of this winner take all me against you survival of the fucking fittest type of mindset and transcending that and being like, okay, let's give everybody the same opportunity and see what directions each one of these people with their individual aptitudes and predilections are going to go because they don't have to worry about where their next fucking meal is coming from. They don't have to worry about whether the lights are going to get cut off. They don't have to worry about transportation and things like that. So if I were able to broaden my scope, then yes. And I will also say, and this ain't no bullshit. I am not a money motivated individual whatsoever in and of Mm -hmm. itself. But if I am compensated more greatly, it eases stress, which allows for acknowledged. You have to acknowledge it because it's built into what I just said. If I'm not as worried about paying for X, Y, and Z, it frees up more of my mental capacity to do problem solving and explore ideas and and be more of a weapon for Mm -hmm. the cause. So no shit, Kalu. When you get on, see if if there's a spot for a motherfucker that's into policy analysis, data analysis, Mm -hmm. whatever. It's um, you know, and one thing too that I that I real that really drew me, and it's funny that I'm, that we're able to talk about this now because I feel like we've kind of solved the the issue that I've been going through with the the worry and stuff is, you know, they one of the cool benefits is I and I need to read the like to clarify it's like you get so much time if you're going to be devoting it towards your community, and like as far as like paid time off, you know what I mean. Right. Like, and I was like, dude, that's that's just cool. That's just yeah, really that's cool. fucking they, beautiful. They, dude. they just care, man. And so that's the kind of stuff I'm just like, I really want to make sure that I that I take advantage of this opportunity. And yes, I like there's a tech part. And I I believe that I'm more than capable and more than qualified and all that kind of stuff. But I think that it's going to become easier to grasp all the tech and all the other just the new tech that I'd be learning by understanding my why and and that was something too when i talk to these people in this interview like their why is because they care about the kids man they care about yes they're all like well taken care of technology professionals but they all fucking care 
And I was like, dude, this is this is something way different. This just feels different. And so I'm just, you know, after we've just talked about it, it's like I feel a thousand times better and just even more excited. <laughs> and just like I'm ready to to, you know, hit the ground running with these guys so bad, dude. Well, and, and I'll be honest with you, I think you know that like the impasse <clears throat> that I had come to earlier this year and I'd talk to you and I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, I, I want to make more money. I don't, I, I'm, I am tired of making it. Mm-hmm. And I, I put myself, it, it, I mean, I have to make the acknowledgement that I could probably budget a little bit better, but mm-hmm. goddamn, I have a stressful job and I rationalize spending money on things that I don't necessarily need by being like, fuck, I deserve it. Cause I do this. And I, yeah. but it's this, it's this vicious fucking cycle whereby I'm like, I'm stressed out. So I spend money and then I have less money, which stresses me out on the mm-hmm. bottom end as well. But yeah. at that, at that impasse, I'm like, Kalu, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Like, I feel like I could, I, I could serve a greater purpose. I even thought about getting into fucking politics, but then mm-hmm. I realized me being the way I am, there's only so far I can go without being fucking uh, obliterated in some capacity or yeah. or compl- meaning like completely and utterly stress the fuck out, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. F- having to battle people all the fucking time, have my character questioned and, and assassinated on a regular basis. Yeah. That, that's what I was thinking. And um, it, it really it, at this point it comes down to fucking just, and and this is to anybody that's listening. It's, it's, it's not only okay, it's normal and it's good Mm -hmm. to have that selfishness and selflessness element or those two elements residing in the same environment. Have your, have your selfishness work towards something that pays it forward Mm -hmm. because you can fucking do that. We are capable of goddamn doing that. Almost everybody, unless, unless your position in life, unless your vocation is built on the subjugation of other human beings, which there are some, and many people don't realize that they are, they're just, you know, it's on to the next one, on to the next one. Mm -hmm. We are 100% capable And actually, in many ways, I feel like it's necessary to turn our selfishness outward and use the motivations that are associated with our selfishness as vectors to pay it forward and reinvest in other individuals and reinvest in our communities. And, you know, we say communities, these arbitrary lines, but, you know, tending the garden you can touch and that has a ripple effect but yeah yeah i i I fucking i want to make more money i want to make more money so that i am i am less stressed so that i can focus on on exploring bigger ideas and having a broader scope of influence yeah and is, is that a good thing some people would say that that chris kilborn having more influence is not a good thing I would say that those people are poorly fucking misinformed. Like they, yeah, yeah. they're just, and, and that's me being nice. I almost said some <laughs> bad shit, but um, I, I don't think that those people understand what it is that I'm trying to accomplish. I think that 
folks like that look at things in terms, very concrete terms of black and white. Like they look at things as a UK U of L rivalry instead mm-hmm. of like Jesus titty fucking Christ guys, we're all on the same ship here yeah, and right. I'm trying to plug holes and you're like, that's not the right way to plug holes. Mm-hmm. Like, like you shouldn't be plugging holes like that. Like bitch, help me yeah. help, yeah. help me then. Don't, don't sit here and armchair fucking quarterback everything. And, and again, I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but we, we have been in national news. The state of Kentucky has been in national news a whole lot here lately for our governor's handling of the, uh, the medical crisis that we're in. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And it, it, it has been, but amidst that we've still, it, it has now hit a point that we're doing so well that dipshits have the opportunity to now focus on things like, well, this is a, this is a constitutional, this, this is an overreach of my constitutional right. If I want to go and do this, then I do that. They're going to, they're going to scrutinize and take down license plate numbers because I want to go and worship at my place and they're infringing on my religious rights. Yeah. And meanwhile, they're leaving the abortion uh, an abortion clinic is an essential business and they're leaving it open yeah. and Lowe's is packed. Bitch, this is like what about ism to, to the yeah. nth degree. One, abortion clinics are not in any statistical way meaningful vectors of viral spread. They yeah. are not. And we yeah. have one in the state of fucking Kentucky. Mm-hmm. One. And and I can tell you. Absolutely from firsthand fucking experience. There are not, I saw some posts, people are like 60, 60 a day. No, that is not, they, they ain't no motherfucking 60 Mm -hmm. abortions a goddamn day. They bring in a certain group of people. They are in there. There, there might've been 15. There might be 15. Yeah. I a top end and they are literally there all day long. You know, the funny thing so, too, when the, there were people on my feed that were saying like, uh, we aren't doing anything wrong. Why are they watching us? And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was like, does this sound like, you know what it's like now? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. But, they, but that's the thing is that they're, they will never make that acknowledgement. And They'll what's also make, funny, yeah. if, if it was mosques, yeah. If it was a, if it was mosques that were unabashedly ignoring mandates from a Christian governor, mm-hmm. you, I guarantee there would be people shitting the a fucking brick about oh, it. They, they, yeah, yeah they, their xenophobia, ethnocentrism, and racism would be just pouring out of every orifice of their fucking bodies. 100%. But. But we've hit a point where our governor has done so well that people are now looking for things to complain about. Two weeks ago, it was let's downplay the fucking situation. Three, four weeks ago, let's downplay the situation. There's there's been that. Then I think it's crystallized with a lot more people as time has progressed. If nothing else, listen to fucking physicians. Uh, These physicians aren't liberal hacks that are trying yeah. to push some political agenda. Yeah. They're, they're legit they, smarter than you. <laughs> they are. They're legit fucking smarter than you. And, 
and not only that, like they're they're putting their necks out there to help out. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are getting sick. There are several that are that have passed away as a result of this. A lot of people are hunkered down at home. I haven't seen my little mama who's in her late seventies. I haven't seen her in over a fucking month. I don't like that. She doesn't like that. But a lot of us are making fucking sacrifices. Meanwhile, you're over here bitching about your fucking rights. Like, bitch, what what kind of self-entitled bullshit are you running off of? And I think that that's very much an indictment of things that we've been spoon fed from an early age. And it's also an indictment of like, like I was saying earlier, the investment that we have within a certain um, mindset or lens Mm -hmm. through which we view the world is going to influence our, our net behavior when we operate out in that world. So whenever that, whenever that person is espousing those beliefs, we get mad. We're like, what kind of dumbass shit to be honest with you. And, and a wise woman, a a person that I kind of, in some ways look at as a mentor, a former supervisor of mine who is an, a ferocious bulldog and also one of the most empathetic human beings that I've ever met. Um, and, and I'll go ahead and say her name. I, I don't know if she wants to be associated with this shit or not, but Tammy Jane beams Miller, mm-hmm. exceptional fucking public servant. That's awesome. And, That's really and, awesome. and TJ, I'm sorry. I say a lot of bad words. Um, <laughs> I, I respect you to the end of the fucking world. Um, love you to death. I know that you're like, uh, Kilborn don't get sentimental. Uh, but yeah. she told me, Chris, I believe that people do the best they can within a given situation. And I have to tell myself that on a regular basis so that I don't hate because hate is a waste. It doesn't even matter if you if somebody is an extreme liability to society. Yeah. Serial killers, child molesters, whatever. I have dealt with some of these people firsthand, gone up against some of these people firsthand. Not serial killers, but yeah, yeah. You know, the child side of things and you can't, you can't let hate consume you. It's That's a waste. True. It's a wasted fucking emotion. Mm-hmm. You have to turn that into something else. So when you get to that point, your anger is a gift. And that's a rage against the machine lyric, yeah. which you know how much I love rage against the machine, but your anger is a fucking gift because it's energy. Apathy is is the tiny death when you get to a point where you don't care yeah that's that's when things start fucking up but if you still have that fire that anger that shit that could morph into hate then you know that you still have energy so when you reach that point of i'm beginning to hate i'm beginning to hate check yourself that that is a milestone that that is a sign on the side of the road of hey you know Check it out. Reassess. Now you've got all this fucking energy, all this motivation. Let's reroute that into something positive. Yeah. Yep. And I don't know how I got on this, this fucking diatribe about hate being a fucking wasted emotion, but, um, no, I think, I think it's, it's true. That's it's, that is 
it's funny you say that because as I was driving today, I went trail riding and um, I was uh, sitting there thinking about hate and how there's literally I'm I'm like on my li- counting my list is like there's one person that I've hated for years and I have to let them know that I'm through hating them. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm through with it. I'm done with it. I'm ready to to move forward. And And truthfully, dude, I think it's because there's this possibility that like like I've been saying in this new position where this will give me the ability to just focus on other stuff that's more important. Um, hatred doesn't have any space for that. Like I, I can't have space for I only want to keep as much space for goodness out there. You see what I mean? Goodness and like whipping ass at my job. And and that's and then obviously just take care of my family and stuff like that. So like I'm one of our very soon episodes is probably going to be me talking about me contacting this person and letting them know, like, I'm through with it. I'm just I'm done, you know, and they're probably not going to know. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be like, what? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Well, and and, and again, I, I have to add an amendment to a degree like I'm I'm not going to say I'm walking around Zen as fuck all the time. Yeah. And then I, and then I don't espouse emotions and feelings that people could construe as hate. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, have strong feelings, strong dislikes that manifest themselves as potential aggression, um, verbal or physical aggression. Like, like goddamn, if, if somebody is a danger to people that can't defend themselves in particular, um, anybody that would seek to uh, to take advantage of or or harm really somebody that's minding their own business, but to a further degree, those that can't defend themselves, mm-hmm. I still possess this predilection towards extreme aggression. Yes. But I don't allow that motherfucker to live rent free in my head. Yeah. It's just, Hey bitch, if things were different, you'd be at the bottom of a motherfucking ravine somewhere. If this was, cave- <laughs> if this was caveman times, <laughs> you, yo bitch ass would be fertilizer. If you're, if I hear that somebody on a t-shirt, Oh shit. Yeah. On a t-shirt that I wipe my booty hole with. And then just, <laughs> but the, there are, there are even people that I know, by name in this town mm-hmm. that I can't lie and say the gene pool would be better. Society would be better if yo ass and, and you know, motherfuckers will dissect it and be like, well, who are you to judge? Yeah. Bitch, if I have half a dozen accounts of you um, taking advantage of women while they're incapacitated, drunk, drugged, whatever, or using your position an elevated position in relation to other people to manipulate and take advantage of them. Yeah. Um, I can't say I don't want to just put hands on you. I can't yeah. say that, but I also can't say that it's hate because I think a lot of times hate, hate, hate has an irrational element to it. Yes. It and is. there's, there is a very rational element to applying aggression where it applies. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and uh, I'm never going to be one of these people that's like, you know, we, All we need is love. All we need is peace. Man, we are a bunch of advanced apes riding around. We're chimps with machine guns. Dude, dude, we we fucking are. We're barely out of the goddamn jungle. So there are a lot of people. There's an enormous spectrum of individuals. And none of us are all good. None of us are all bad. Uh, Some of us are closer than others to either end of the spectrum. And you can reside on different parts of the spectrum depending on where you're at in life. But, but man, like when I look at some of these people that I'm thinking of, I'm like, I don't, when a dog is a man biter, when a dog has attacked a child and is just completely untrustworthy and, and volatile, you don't hate the dog. You, you the put trainer. the dog, you, yeah, you put the dog down. Yeah. You just put it down. You put the fucking dog down. And I'm, I'm not sitting here being like, well, let's just kill these motherfuckers. But at the same time, I'm sitting here with the acknowledgement of as far as this, this bitch right here, this motherfucker right here is concerned. Love is not the answer for you. Yeah. I'm sorry, but love is not the fucking answer for you. And, and Dr. Martin Luther King, even it, people always want to tout Dr. Martin Luther King as like being this uber pacifist. And in many ways he was a, he's a peaceful man, but especially yeah. in, in his, in his later years of his yeah. life, young MLK, yeah, he, he, young, he was about it. Well, it, and, but, but even later on in his life, MLK was all about, um, he understood the merit in riots. Mm-hmm. Like there's that, was it that, that blurb that, uh, that recording where, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King said riots are the, uh, uh, language of the unheard yeah. things like that. And I didn't know that was him that said that it, it, it might not be him. I might be mixing some shit up. My, my mm-hmm. brain's going in 80 different directions. Cause I'm trying to work off the cuff. It's hard not sitting in in yeah. front of you and us like, it. and, and then also I, I've got other people in the household just running yeah, around here. Then I'm going to have to cuss out when I get done. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think that we, we can't deal in absolutes is really what I'm getting at. Um, and I go down these pathways and I say all this shit and I'm, I apologize to listeners whenever sometimes I'm not as concise as I should be. But the thing is, is that it's not absolutism is a fucking hindrance. It's an absolute hindrance looking at things, having to, to box things in and label things and assign values to everything that are, that are, that you feel are static. Yeah. You are, you are very much limiting yourself and, I don't believe that I don't believe that hate hate isn't aggression isn't hate violence isn't always hate I think you can you can be aggressive I think you can be violent and not have hatred sure. and and I I I say that because I I really do joust with a lot of rage. Like I, it's, it's in my blood. I, I think it, 
it has to be. Everybody in my motherfucking family is full of fucking rage, but we, most of us turn it in or try to turn it into something positive, but God damn it gets overwhelming sometimes yeah. too. That's how it goes, dude. It really is. But we are at an hour and 13 minutes. So let's go ahead and cut it and let's talk about any sort of shameless shout outs that you might have. I feel like this has really solved the anxiety or the stress or something like that for me. And it's really, for me, it's just coming down to reminding myself every day why I'm doing this and why I believe that this group is, is the right group for me. And it's just, it's the why that's what it is. And yes, I'm going to, I'm going to have moments where uh, I might, you know, have some stressor or, or be anxious in general, but it's, I'm working towards those levels of acceptance and relief. And then when that turns into motivation and that turns into just more focus and determination that I know that I'm going to be all right. And that all the, all that I'm doing is completely worth it. And it's by having talks like these and touching on different subjects and stuff like that really gets my juices going. So I just want to thank you for for taking the time to you know let me get put through the grinder on this episode and you know well, help dude, the game ground. Well, dude, I, I miss you, face. I miss yeah, you. Man. It's like you 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 help you help balance me the fuck out. And, and and honestly, like the shit that I'm jousting with right now, that there's no oh poor me. But mm-hmm. I I would be I would be lying to not only myself and you, but also all of our listeners, if I didn't say that I don't cry at mm-hmm. least a couple of times a fucking week. Yeah, like man. I, amidst what's going on, I I just get goddamn overwhelmed with shit, mm-hmm. and it's it it comes from different directions. It comes from my rage, the absolute fucking self-entitled ignorance of some people that they can't just sit their ass down for a little bit and pay Mm -hmm. homage to not only the frontline workers, but somebody's grandma or somebody's mother. Mm -hmm. We don't have a vaccine yet. Just fucking sit your ass down. But beyond that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I work off of, a grant. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't bill for my hours and a lot of my job is coordination and orchestration and facilitation. Mm-hmm. And I'm fortunate that I'm able to do a lot of that stuff remotely. So, and, and still be able to get paid, but at the same time, man, it's close to home. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, and you know, I can't go into too much detail because it's the nature of my job and I have to protect the confidentiality of those that I serve, but goddamn it's nearby. Like I'm, I'm worried to fucking death about a number of people that I, I provide services for or know or have provided services for, um, even theoretical people that I know are in localities nearby, Mm -hmm. um, that are, that are being ravaged by our current pandemic. Um, it causes me enormous fucking anxiety and I'm, uh, I I just want to tell listeners, I apologize if I'm not 100% my fucking self that I'm a little bit sporadic and I haven't, you know, my mind's not, I don't have the clarity that I normally do, which is, is already pretty fucking suspect if I do say so myself, (laughs) but, but I am, I'm in this fight. 
Um, and that's not to say that out of nobility, because again, there, there are ones that are doing a lot more than I am, but I am part of this and it is stressing me the fuck out. Um, if you're listening to this, just goddamn cooperate, sit your ass down. At the very least do no harm and, and put your ego aside, put your self entitlement and your quote unquote rights aside for the greater good temporarily because if we all sit our asses down for a little while there's then it, it's going to bode much better for us in the future mm-hmm. and that 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 even applies to our economy um any number of fucking things but god damn it, it's bleak times it's it's really fucking bleak times so um yeah basically i just want to give a shameless shout out to those who are still listening and are patient with me and my contributions in this or my attempts at contributions at this, um, I'm trying. Again, it's yeah, it's dude. more difficult not sitting in the room with Kalu and Mark yeah. and, and, and us. Like mm. when we sit in the room together, it, it's not work. Like it's no, man, it, it, it's it's fucking it's a selfish thing. It's a beautiful yeah. thing for us. If nobody yeah. else even listens to it, it's just a joy. Mm-hmm. And this is much harder. So yes. I want to give a shameless shout out to the listeners who are still listening to us and supporting us. Despite the fact that this is not, this isn't exactly us. Yeah. This is, this is us right now. We're, we're attempting to adapt and espouse as much normalcy as we can. But uh, but I know I'm not 100 percent on my game right now. But but I'll get there. We'll we'll come back. We got it, dude. We're guns blazing. And beyond that, got to give a shameless shout out to Tyler Young at Grade Eight Performance. Always uh, homeboy in lieu of the um, social distancing pandemic. He is cooking up uh, fresh plans for people on the regular. So reach out to him. If he's got an online spot that he can coach, um, that he has time to fit you in to coach, snatch that shit up because the man knows what he's doing. He's a witch doctor. He'll get you, he'll get you where you want to be. He'll get you places that you didn't even know that you could be. So again, shameless shout out to Tyler Young and Great Eight Performance. Awesome, awesome. I don't have any real big shout outs. I mean, um, I just want to thank everyone for their time, just like you were saying and. I know that stuff is uh, is kind of interesting right now, but it, it, it will get better one way or another and, and there will be a new normal. But uh, we are more than ready and more than capable to be a part of that new normal. So with that, um, I just want to thank everyone again. Everyone do something great this week. Kick all the ass, please. Uh, change is something that we all go through. And uh, I'm just really glad that I was able to talk about that and get my point out and actually learn something. I really do feel like I learned something. So if you guys have any stories of change that that you might be going through or any just anything in general, if you want to put yourself through the grinder, if you want to be on an FYFT episode, don't hesitate to reach out. That's at the Salumist podcast on Instagram. Go on Facebook. That's just the Salumist podcast on there. Go to our website, www.salumist.com slash podcast. If you want to just listen to our different episodes on there. So everyone, again, do something great. Kick all the ass and we are out. Peace. Peace.